morning, guys. Happy Friday. How are you doing, Phil? I'm uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm still <laughs> coughing. Regular listeners will know I've developed a smoker's cough, even though I haven't had a cigarette in 20 years. But I'm 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 sort of hopefully on the tail end of it. If there's any sort of dodgy coughing going on, join the uh, podcast. That'll be me then. Well, Don't make me laugh. Well, well, yeah, I'm all right. Me, me look, it's me, me chest. Because I've been coughing so hard, my, it feels like just really tight on my chest. So whooping so cough is it? Oh. Whooping cough. Well, I have been giving it weird noises on in between coughs, and it is mad. I mean, I read on because it's like a hundred. I don't know, Doctor Internet, isn't it? But uh, I read that it's the hundred day cough. Anything that lasts longer than a couple of weeks is a, is potentially the hundred day cough, which is um, basically a whooping cough. Who knows? Hope it goes soon, mate. Yeah, I do. Then you can you can talk all to your heart's delight. We never shut you up again. No, no, no. It's fine. Just rest your voice. Keep keep drinking water and resting your voice. Hang on a second. I've noticed the dynamics different. I've not heard Dave's voice, but I see another guy. You've brought a mate with you. Who's your mate? Indeed, this is my long-standing mate, uh, Will Edge. Hello, Will. I feel like you're doing all right. Nice to meet. You. Nice to meet you, Andy. Nice to meet you, Will. Yeah. yeah, good to see you. Very formal at the start, wasn't it? Yeah, all good. All good. I know. <laughs> yeah, good, good. What, what do you do on a Friday? What's your routine on a Friday? Uh, Friday, just depends what's going on, really. Um, can be a pub if anyone's available, but those days seem to be rarer <laughs> and rarer with kids, don't they? Um, yeah. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a bit, bit of work and then maybe chill and take away and, and, and see what the kids are doing, really. Oh. Take we have, we have a takeaway on a Friday night as well. It's it's semi religious. It's we not. It's almost. I just. I'm not allowed to cook. It's not that I can't. I'm just not allowed to because we have to have a takeaway yeah. on a Friday. Go night. on. What are you two having? Go on, Andy. What are you having first? Oh right, uh, paneer biryani madras sauce. Ooh. Oh, very nice. Right, we're having a, a Greek. We're up at a mate's house up in uh, up in Marple, so I think we're on a Greek takeaway tonight. Saves on the washing up, it, doesn't it? It does, and it's not even my house, and I'm, I must be winning. <laughs> There's no messying about with the washing then. <laughs> oh God, no! Unprepared. It started already. Unprepared. Thank you very much. Uh, about yourself, Phil, what are you having for your tea? What do you do on a Friday? Is it fish on Friday or is it chops? Uh, miss, it's me and Daisy at the minute, so we'll probably we'll probably make something. Actually, she's got kids club. She goes to kids club and um, sort of takes her out from half five till half seven or something like that so maybe just maybe i'll stick some on we'll have it when she gets in something simple celebrate the weekend yeah she won't have a curry well she likes if i make a mild curry but my preference is something super crazy hot from the third eye yeah this podcast is sponsored by the third eye Didsbury <laughs> for your, all your chili chicken needs <laughs> it is good the chili chicken if you're feeling eye, hot 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 go down to third eye um <laughs> So anyway, moving on from food. So, so you, 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 you guys are actually long-standing friends then. So it's not like one of these business relationships. You're actually mates. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah proper. Yeah. Phil's known me since I was about seven years old, I think. He was a bit older than me, though. <laughs> no so, yeah, yeah. I, I was seven and a half. Phil, 27. <laughs> yeah, I'm sort of. <laughs> yeah, no, we've, we've, we've known each other, right? It's just through sort of um, uh, Will's cousin, uh, is is one of my old old pals and was the best, my best man at um, our wedding. So Ash, um, so yeah, we've known we've known each other for gazillions of years, and then um, I think that's where we 
obviously we've as everyone is these days, if you're not sort of seeing each other on a sort of regular basis, you sort of friends on you you know what's going on through through people's social feeds. Um and I saw a couple probably was it in lockdown well, the sort of mental thing. That started around yeah, I would imagine a lot more active posting around lockdown was when we had a real big growth within mental. So that would have been when you would have seen a lot more stuff. And then we caught up again at a mate's birthday didn't we and started chatting about the, the podcast as a whole yeah and 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 it and it was this whole thing of which we'll come on to in a bit the idea was mental wells charity just felt so like bob on with mm. the kind of things that we we try and do with the podcast and with the kind of thing we sort of make our audience aware of so it just felt absolutely spot on to say well come on talk to us about what goes on with mental how you got involved and that'd be a brilliant podcast so that's what we a couple of pints later i think i remember on the night we were trying to have the conversation and you try to have a sensible conversation and then someone someone brings over a pint and and then drags you away and then you come back and try a bit more about the conversation so we sort of had this thing in, in sort of you know, 60% organised. And it was like, right, we'll pick up on messages. And um, Didn't somebody bring a wedding cake to that that pub as well? That, oh, yeah. For some reason, there was a wedding cake that night as well, wasn't there? <laughs> <laughs> a load of 50-year-old 50 50 year blokes and a wedding yeah. cake. Which, uh, we had, had no idea. I, yeah, it was a nice cake. Well, the thing is, a couple of pints in, you're not really revved for a for a slice of wedding cake, <laughs> to be honest. I don't know. This is like a, a film or a book, 50-year-old blokes and a wedding cake. <laughs> oh, hey, I'll tell you what, I'm writing that down. I'm uh, that. Dave will be getting Hugh the brand inside on that one. Oh, no, please, not another Hugh Grant film, please. <laughs> the world doesn't need any more of that. Um, well, he's, he's an umpa-lumper in the new Willy Wonka, isn't he? Is he? Great. Just, just, just flex it. Yeah, he's one of the Willy Wonka. Well, he's one of the Willy Wonka. He's, he's one a of the Umpa-Lumpers. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Hugh Grant is an Umpa-Lumper <laughs> in the Willy Wonka film. No way. There you go. That, that's the, that's why people tune in. <laughs> it is, yeah, for this uh, entertainment news that we deliver. Um, but no, I, that, so that was like literally it. It was like, after the wedding cake was scoffed and the, the sort of, I have a pumpkin carriage normally because I get to a certain point and I've realised in life if I go over that point, I'm slammed. So I always sort of know when it's time for the uh, for the carriage to come and pick me up before any any um, anything crazy happens. So mm. so I left at about half eight. <laughs> yeah. And, um, <laughs> after and then uh, and then like I say we we just arranged. To over over message and and then it sort of went a bit quiet. You were telling us about this. I remember you telling us about it. So on walking card, you were you were telling us that you'd reconnected with Will, and you mentioned about mental. I'm like that that's it because you know my association with Andy's Man Club and talking groups and stuff. So I absolutely wanted to know more about it. But there's another part of that which really fascinated me, which is almost like and I hate to say it and and I've heard this phrase before like happy accidents there's no such thing as a happy accident as far as I'm concerned she's like an accident's an accident somebody goes oh you were lucky there to not you know to not die and stuff because what's good about you know ending up in traction for example but you told me about Will and Will I wanted to just hear a little bit more about what what that was Phil was telling us about there is a, I believe you're a bit of an international jet setting man of mystery <laughs> and something happened 
Uh, I'm not sure about international man of mystery, uh, but always doing <laughs> always doing something stupid. I think would probably be about the best way of describing it. Um, so yeah, this so what yeah when that was probably what July, June, July, Phil, wasn't it the one we reconnected? Yeah. yeah. Um, then so we've got me, me and the missus with the daughter. I've got a place down in down in Wales. Uh, we've got a boat. Um, we've always done a lot of wakeboarding. Um, so like over the summer, it's like this balance between me and me and Lucy, my missus, of like just try to keep Freya down in Wales for the whole summer, so that she's got that time down there and wheeled sort of backwards and forwards. So I think this year I was doing Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, coming back Wednesday morning. And going to work Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Lucy was coming down Wednesday afternoon after work. You know, so Freya was down there the whole time. So, like, I mean, anyone remembers the weather last year? It was rubbish all year, wasn't it? You know, like we had a we had a crap summer, can't we? Where, where are we at on swearing on the podcast? I can't remember. Was it crap or crap's all right? I'm fine. It's I'm fucking afraid. brilliant. God, perfect. Afraid. Yeah. If you don't swear, we all think you're a bit of a. <laughs> I'll let it um so yeah we were yeah the weather was crap on it so we'd not really used the boat much we'd not been in the water much um and in the couple of days that i'd been down there um i'd managed to get freya with uh one of a couple of her mates sort of looking at wakeboarding like you know she's never really got into it before uh and it's a massive passion of mine and lucy's so she sort of like started to show a bit of interest in it so on the tuesday afternoon i was working and the weather just looked mega like wednesday it was it was the best day of the year um so i'd spoken to spoke spoken to freya she's like yeah let's go out on the boat let's go wakeboarding early in the morning I, w- I want to learn so one of my one of my really good friends down there owns a wakeboard shop lines um she was like yeah i can do the lesson in the morning so it's all right we're just me me lines and freya will go out on the boat like no other boats out at that time in the morning everyone's still getting over their hangovers in the summer holidays so <laughs> proper early morning down on the beach um like last minute decision on the Tuesday, really. Like I was supposed to be up early in the morning and back in the office, and probably about four o'clock Tuesday afternoon, I rang the office, said, "Look, I'm not going to be in tomorrow. Um, I'm I'm staying down here for another day. The weather's too good." Um, so up early on the water, up early on the water, got the boat going, and literally one of the easily the best day of last year, without a doubt. It was like there wasn't a breath of wind. Beautifully hot. Um, lines again i've not been on a boat with her for ages um she's uh, so her husband passed away last year from uh, bowel cancer mm. um really good mate of mine and I miss him terribly um but it was amazing to be out on the boat with her and freya and just like all of a sudden mega morning so we get freya in the water freya has a go you know she gets up on the wakeboard for the first time she's loving it but the deal is that me and Lions have to ride as well, you know. So it's you know that's that's part of the deal. Getting Freya in the water, she wants to watch me and her ride. So Lions has a little go, just messing about. We're not unlike you know both of us are sat there going, we're not doing anything crazy. We're not you know we're we're both getting on a bit now. You know we're we're pushing these mid forties. It's hurting a little bit. So you know we're just going to have a dead nice easy little ride. Uh, just a couple of little jumps. Just nothing crazy. Um, so Lions does five ten minutes. I get in the water, um, and because I'm an idiot, I'm not really capable of going, oh, I'm just going to have a little cruise around. So I start, like, getting some good jumps going, and then Lions goes, oh, you're not far off that. You know, sort of just just literally just a wake-to-wake jump, which is nothing for the level that, you know, most of us ride at. Uh, she goes, oh, just go for it one more time. And I remember sort of cutting out, 
cutting back into the wake, launching up in the air. And I just remember the front of my board digging into the water and then getting knocked out. Like I just stopped. So if you imagine when you're wakeboarding, you're hitting the wake, you're probably hitting the wake at about 35 miles an hour, something like that. And then, so going from that to a pretty much dead stop as your head hits the water. So I knocked myself out. Um, I remember hitting the water. I remember then sort of coming round underneath the water and thinking, I'm under the water. I need to, one, let the boat know I'm okay, and two, get myself up to the surface. And I went to move my right arm, and that's the point where I sort of realised that the whole right side of my body wasn't working. It was like I had a massive electric shock uh, all down the right-hand side of my body. Um, And I remember thinking, I've never had this. I've, I've done all sorts of stupid sports, whether it's like, snowboarding wakeboarding downhill mountain biking scuba diving loads of like big accidents i've never had that moment before where i'm like i'm i'm i think i might be dead here this isn't good um and i just remember the last thought of having as i tried to reach up was like i'm having a seizure i can't get myself out of the water um and that was my last thought so i'd hit the water knocked myself out and had a seizure so the next thing i remember is um, being sort of dragged onto the back of the boat by lines. So they brought the boat back to me. Lines had realised that I was having a seizure. Um, so she jumped in the water to drag me out. Um, but uh, anyone that's been on a boat know that they move and they drift. So um, the boat was drifting away from me, but there was only Freya, who's 11 years old in the boat, while Lines is grabbing me with a wakeboard on while I'm having a seizure. So Freya's throwing ropes out for to pull me into the boat and stuff like that. Um, so I have like a brief flash of being dragged up out the water from onto the back of the boat. Um, during that phase, Freya had to ring 999 to, you know, cause I'm, I'm, I'm gone. I'm in a bad way. Uh, so Freya rang 999, um, arranged, started to liaise with the emergency services while listening to lines talk, you know, basically talk her through that. Um, next thing I remember from there is being laying in the bottom of the boat with the lifeboat next to our boat. And like, I know all the guys on the lifeboat as well. So I'm looking at them thinking, what are you guys doing here? What's, what's going on? And then I looked up and the Coast Guard helicopters circling the boat as well. And it's like, I've, yeah, you know, like something's gone really, really wrong here. Um, so I got taken in, taken into the beach by the RNLI. Uh, by this time, I think Fred Lang rang Lucy because Lucy lives in works in Ormskirk, so she's got to drive from Ormskirk to Bangor Hospital, basically. Um, so yeah, just sort of took me into the beach. It's a bloody Abbasock in it, so there's about six surgeons on the beach and about five doctors by this stage. So <laughs> I've got on the beach. All, all, from, all from Stockport. Yeah, all from Stockport. They're, they're all, they're, yeah, they're, they're, all in, they're all in local hospitals. Um, so, yeah, I think we had we had two Coast Guard vehicles, three ambulances, you know, like the emergency response. Like I, I was still coming around. This is like the bit where my memories start to come back. All the rest of it's a massive blur. Um, but yeah, there was there was a big emergency sort of response to the accident, and like you know, lines was incredible getting me out of the water. Freya was amazing, you know, speaking the nine nine nine, Coast Guard RNLI, you know, RNLI is an amazing, you know, just completely charity funded. You know, they are not a government agency; mm. they're an incredible, incredible mm. thing. Um, 
yeah, so sort of taken back in, decided that I didn't need the helicopter, so the helicopter was stood down, but I was blue-lighted over to Bangor. What's the timeline here, Will, from from the time of you, like, having the having the incident to... Having the incident to getting having the incident to getting in the ambulance is probably about twenty minutes, twenty twenty five minutes, something like that. Uh, Not a lot of time, is it? But it must have felt like a long time for Freya and 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 Lions, but yeah, oh yeah, like they they had they had a lot, yeah, eternity to them, Um, but made it so yeah into the ambulance and then you you're talking a good forty minutes over to Bangor, something like that. Um, So over to Bangor. Uh, end up meeting Lucy at Bangor. I, I'm pretty sure she drove pretty quickly from Ormskirk. To be fair, <laughs> I don't think she was. Uh, I don't think she was going slowly when, when she could hear the helicopter in the background while while Freya's on the phone to her. Um, so, yeah, into Bangor Hospital, having loads of sort of tests, basically doing a CT scan to see if I had a bleed on the brain. Um, and you know, Bangor Hospital is always just hours. You know, you sat there for hours, whatever. You know, and the, the joke's always been that we always say to the kids, "Don't do anything stupid," because Bangor's a long way away, and I'm the one that's got to prove the point. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we got there, um, CT scan, sat around for four or five hours, and by this point, I'm I'm feeling better. Like I'm okay. I've got I've definitely got a concussion, mm. you know, but that's not that's not a new feeling. Mm. I'm used to that feeling. Um, and get pulled into pulled into a room with a consultant, and like, look. We found something. We don't know what it is. You've not got a bleed on the brain, but there's something else that we just want to have a look at. You know, it could be bruising. At that point, what what did you suspect? I mean, concussion is is that the, the the most you expected at this point? Yeah, oh yeah. At that point, to be, to be fair, while I was in the ambulance on the way over to Bangor, I was like, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, like once I once I'd come round at that stage, I was like, no, I'm all right now. Like okay, I've not. Right. I'll be on the water tomorrow. Yeah, I was like, I'll be yeah. back tomorrow. I'll be sound. You know, I've I've done. I've, I've, I've you know, realistically at that point, I was pissed off that somebody had rang an ambulance. To be honest with you, I was like, I would have been fine. Just pull me into the boat. It's only the seizure yeah. that really changed that. Oh, sure. Um. So yeah, got got pulled in. Like there's something else there. We're not sure what it is. You've not got a bleed on the brain, but there's just something else on the CT scan that we're not sure about. So we want to do an MRI on you. So come back tomorrow. And the second they said that, I was like, that's not right. There's something not good there. And I remember driving back to, so we drove back to, drove back to Abbasock, um, had the night there, but I was like, just, you know, when you know, you've got, you've got this feeling that something isn't right. And it's like, I can't, can't get my head around it. So drove back to get the MRI the next day. Um, and at that point, someone's like, right, you've got to have a needle because you've got to have the contrast for the MRI scan. And I'm crap with needles. I'm, I'll do all this daft stuff, but give me a needle. And I'm like a girl. <laughs> <laughs> so so, like, <laughs> so I, say, I, say, I say to the girl that's giving me the MRI, it's like, look, I'm fine with this, but I'm dead scared of needles. So she's like, oh, I'm all right. I'll look after you. Don't worry. And she did it. And she was mega. She was great. Um, so do the MRI, um, and then it's like, right, hurry up and wait again. So they do the MRI. They're like, oh, we're sending it off here. We're sending it off there. We want to get a consultant's opinion. So it's another four and a half hours that we've been sat at Bangor Hospital now. And I'm like, right, just to the consultant, come on, tell us what's something going on. So they took us off to the side room and they're like, you know, it's got stars on the walls and all that sort of stuff. I'm like, oh, this isn't good. You know, that you know, you got stars stars and shooting stars and, and rainbows. It's not a good room, is it? No. Um no. 
and uh, yeah so he's like right there's something there it's we don't know what it is but we're going to have to refer you through to a neurological department but whatever it is it isn't good um so you know it's you know if, if it, what it, it most likely is a tumor of some sort at that point like my head fell off you know did they say that did they say that it, well most likely, most likely it's, it's it is a growth of some sort okay. so um at that point they try to refer us off to i think they were going to be referring us to walton in liverpool for some reason god knows why um but we actually needed to be at salford royal um so we got back to right again back to abasoc backwards and forwards this story's just backwards and forwards isn't it um yeah got got backwards got back to to abasoc and then it's like we've got private healthcare so we're like right let's get this into a private pathway now because it's like we'll be waiting forever with the yeah. nhs and we yeah. have the ability yeah. so we, we went yeah. we ended up going private so got an appointment with a neurosurgeon i think it was about two or three days later something like that uh back it it will yeah really really quick uh, again if if you are lucky enough to be able to afford it or have a job that has it private healthcare is insane it, it makes such a difference yeah 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 um yeah came back sat down with neurosurgeon mr derso um and he's like look you have uh what is known as a glioma which is a form of brain tumor um mm. at the moment you're lucky we don't think we think it's a grade two looking at it you know so it's, it's you know you can tell by looking at the scans you have an idea of what sort of brain tumor it is uh so at the moment it's a suspected grade two glioma which is a non-cancerous brain tumor um mm. the treatment okay. plan is to operate on it um we could said look there's, there's options you can sit and watch it see if it grows anymore um, but it's already grown to the size of a peach. No, no, tangerine. So, so it's already quite bad, quite big. Um, That's significant. So, so something the size of your of 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 a what a tangerine yeah, is in your a brain. Plum, yeah, small plum in my brain. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. Um, but so we were sort of like, yeah, the options are you sit and watch, or we could do a biopsy, which means drilling into my skull anyway, or we just go in. Um, or we just go in and we'll we'll remove as much as it as we can. Um, he then decided to tell me, yeah, but we'll be doing that while you're awake if we're going to do the surgery. <laughs> so that's some hostile shit going on there. I was like, yeah, I mean, honestly, I was just sat there like, yeah, okay, let's just do the operation because for my mind, so the only thing that we knew with with the tumor at that stage is that some so brain tumors kind of rely on mass as my understanding of it and i'm sure there might be somebody out there that will tell me different but certainly mm. like gliomas rely on mass once they get to a certain size they start to turn cancerous so the only thing that we knew by watching and waiting was at some point we were going to have to treat it so i was like right let's just do the surgery if you're gonna you know if you're gonna drill into my brain for the biopsy you may as well just open it up anyway um so yeah there, there and then i still remember he goes do you want some time to think about it i was like no we're just going to do the surgery when we're doing it so you're not good with needles but you're okay with somebody I, by, I think yeah this is the thing i think by this point i'd had three days of worrying and this trying yeah. to live with this thing right. and at that yeah. stage i was like no yeah. just let's get it out let's do it whatever it yeah. takes so then he's like, right, okay, so we're going to do some more scans. Um, 
and start on this whole process of going for this operation. Then decides to tell me, he goes, look, at the moment you're private. Um, this operation hasn't been done privately outside of London yet, but we've set up in the Alex to do this as a private operation in the Alex. Would you would you be what would you want to be the first person to have it done there? Uh, or we can put you into the NHS pathway and you can you can have it done at Salford Royal. And that's the only time where I really had to think about it because mm. it's like the whole team, mm. my entire team, all the equipment and the equipment's all brand new. It's all there. The team's done it thousands of times. Just the first time that this is going to have been done privately. Um, so yeah, was that a consideration for you? Was that relevant to you? Though? Oh god, yeah. It took. It took. That was probably the hardest decision actually. Um, I kind of looked at it, and it's like. Yes, because in theory everything's great, but you're still the first. You know, there's mm. always that moment of still being the yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then also looking at it from a, you know, if if I was at Salford Royal, it would only take somebody with a grade three or grade four, you know, cancerous brain tumor, to put my operation back. You know, um, so mm. with being the first one at the Alex, I was done on a Sunday. I was the only operation that was happening that day i was the sole focus of the hospital because they've got you know they, they want this to go well so i was the sole focus of the you know the operation it was going to happen on that day there was nothing short of me getting covid mm. that was going to stop it from happening mm. on that day so that certainty actually was what was a big part of the decision and knowing that you know like knowing that that was going to happen so yeah that it was it was it took a week it took a week for me to go, yeah, I'm happy with this. And, you know, like, you know, my mum was a bit iffy on it. She was like, oh, no, I don't like it, don't like it, don't like it. But mm. I was like, that's all right. Yeah. It's, it is. It, overall, it's the best decision. So what was what was the timeline, Will, from going, all right, that that point, at the end of that week where you go, right, let's do it at the Alex. Yeah. Um, from there, actually, what, what was the timeline to the appointment itself? To get in the op. Um, so that was probably, we were pushing end of august when we were having the decisions about where we were going then it was the 8th mm. of october that i had the operation so sunday the 8th of october it's not bad that at all no. i mean five weeks five, five, five six, six weeks, weeks. I, I, honestly yeah. i wanted it to be about i wanted it to be another four months yeah. <laughs> i would have been on the nhs yeah, to have had yeah. a bit more time to think about yeah it. yeah uh, Benefits of staying on the NHS, yeah, um, more time to worry about. But it it, it came round there quickly. Um, so like in the run up to, in the run up to that, we had um, so as part of like an awake craniotomy. So while you're, the operation is that you're awake while they drill into your brain, cut your skull open, and they operate and they're talking to you. So while that's going on and there's a really famous video of someone playing a violin while they're having brain surgery and that's the operation that i had yeah so in the run-up to that there was a lot of work with um, a psychologist um so she was there for two reasons one of them was to sort of get a baseline reading of where i'm at so that while we're doing the surgery we're doing all sorts of cognitive function tests uh, and we're also doing physical movement tests so she knows where i'm at she's also there to keep me calm because it's fucking mm. scary um so yeah all these sort of um, loads of scans and it was just it was it was weird because that period running up to the operation was busy and also a little bit exciting you know because you've got this 
this big thing coming up and it's like every every time I went to the Alex for any appointment, everyone knew who I was because everyone's like, oh, you're, you're our awake, aren't you? And I was like, I really don't want to be known for this. But like, so there's this like, there was a little bit of, a little bit of buzz from everybody around me about it. And also like for me as well, and like talking to any of my friends going, look, this is about to happen. There's, there's a lot going on. So in that period, it felt exciting in a way looking back on it now it felt exciting in the run-up to the to the operation um so the saturday night before the operation went out to a 40th just you know why not uh so i went around to a mate's party um didn't drink um but just yeah really weird experience because like everybody's there and kind of everyone knows what's happening the next day, but nobody mm. wanted to talk about it. Like mm. nobody wanted to like open a conversation. I'm like, it's pretty much all I can think about. So you may as well just start talking yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Left Freya at the party. My daughter and me and Lucy just went home. Um, and I slept like a baby. Honestly, I was driving home from the party expecting that I wasn't going to be able to sleep, but slept like a baby. Um, so got it. we're in the Alex for half seven in the morning. By nine o'clock, I was taken down to prep. Uh, so walked mm-hmm. into the anest- uh, anest- anesthetic room. Got that right? Yep. I'm having to learn so many big words, and I, I, my dyslexia kicks in, and it really doesn't work very well with it. It's awful. <laughs> so yeah, went into the went into the prep room. I'd met the anesthesiologist. Anest- anest- the person with the needle. The person with the needle, yeah. The person with the needle. So, you know, yeah, I met them. One of them was, you know, one of them was really serious and one of them came in in like a, a, a sort of like tweed waistcoat mm-hmm. and like trilby and all this sort of stuff. And he's like, I've got some good drugs for you today. And I was like, you're, you're the one. You're the one that I want. And like, so I was like, he, he was, he, so like, yeah, got into the this sort of pre-op, um, got all the needles in me. Um, so the first thing they start to do is sort of get um, fentanyl into you. So that like calms you down, um, but still keeps you very alert. So it's so that that goes in. Then they start putting all the. So I had sensors all the way down. So the tumor's in the left hand side of my brain, which controls the right hand side of my body. So the motor functions in the right hand side of my body. So I had sensors inserted in all the muscles on my right hand side of my body, oh. so that they could monitor what was happening. Because the idea is that they'll, they'll they'll check sections of your brain before they take it before they take it out. So they'll use an electrode to test it, um, and then like your leg will stop working. But they can they can read that on sensors, but it's not as accurate no so, as me going. Is this why when you when you had the accident you you couldn't move one part of your body? Is it because because it was the tumors on that side? Or the opposite side. Yeah, because the tumor was. Oh, yeah, because it was on the opposite okay. side. So that's why everything on the right hand side of my body felt like I couldn't yeah. operate it because I was having a seizure on the right hand side of my body. Body. Um, so yeah, all the, all the sensors like inserted into my muscles in my legs, uh, loads of local anaesthetic, and then wheeled in. Um, so I get to choose the playlist that got played. So I had you know, some decent music on there, like uh, the uh, the. Uh, an Easterist was laughing because he's like, "Oh, Mr. Durso, the brain surgeon's not going to like this. He likes his classical music." Yeah. I was like, "This is a mint playlist. I like this." <laughs> I am so we had, we had that on. I'm private. I can do what I want. Yeah. What, what, what does Durso want? I just I'll play whatever he wants. Just do it right. <laughs> oh no 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 no! no. I, like, I, I, I had some. Uh, I, I had like a, a proper dance music playlist going on. It was. It's like you know, just nice house music. Insane really in the membrane. Um, 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't want anything where he started jumping around while he was in there. <laughs> House of Pain. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 So yeah, from there. Wheeled into the operating theatre, um, hair wash and like so, like I mean, you guys can see me. I know we're a thing, but like I still, you can't actually see where the no. cut is because what they actually managed to do is not shave my head. He, he he's developed a way of doing it where you, you don't have to shave the head, and we've got quite a small cut, you know, like in, in comparison, it's about five and a half inches, something like that. Um, yeah, so sort of separated out all the hair, cut the skin, which I don't feel any of. Then the worst part of the whole operation was the cutting of my skull, oh, God. which, yeah, I mean, I can stop. No, 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 it's all right. We're big boys. It didn't happen to us, did it? We, you know, we're, we're just... Yeah, so no, the, the cutting of the skull. So I'd said to the psychologist, me and the psychologist had done a lot of work around like anxiety and like what my anxieties were. My anxiety was having a panic attack on the table mm-hmm. and running. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So like, I was worried about that. Uh, so were you strapped down then, so you couldn't do that. So my head was my head was um, taped down, um, but my body was completely free. So my head was my head was like taped in position oh my on my side God. with the tumor side pointing up. Uh, so he, yeah, cut the skin open, and then yeah, the drill was because I'd said to the psychologist, she goes, "Do you want me to hold your hand?" I was like, "Nope." The second he touched my skull with a drill, I had, had a hand in my I was like, hold me on, <laughs> don't like it. And this is a really stupid question. So, so yeah. when the drilling's happening, I'm, I can, only, I can yeah. only compare this to going to the dentist. Can you hear and feel the whole yeah. drilling going on? Hear and feel oh everything. God. And it's probably, it, 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 because of where it is on my skull, it rattled yeah. through my ear. Yeah. So you can feel yeah, it in your eardrum, yeah. you can hear it in your eardrum, and you can feel it going through your whole like skeleton. That that's the bit out of out out of the whole mm. thing. That's yeah. the bit. Oh, God, um, I and you're right. I can I can. I mean, you were right to preempt the idea that you might want to get up and run the fuck out of there. You know because yeah. mm, hold my hand. You know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, hold my hand, definitely. And she'd like, so Gemma again, I don't know if she'd ever listened to this, but Gemma was amazing. Um, yeah, Gemma was ace, my psychologist. She just like sort of got me dead quickly. Um, and yeah, so then he's removed a piece of my skull, probably I think about an inch by an inch square, something like that. Um, and then there's a membrane between your skull and your brain, which they couldn't put any local anesthetic into. So I could oh. feel him cutting through that. that that was that bit hurt, but it was dead over dead quickly. And then the actual once I got into the operation bit, it was interesting. And it sounds weird, but we're like, as a patient in that operation, you're not you're not just there. You're involved in every yeah. step of it. So it's like, right, okay, we're testing this area, we're testing that area. Um, you know, you're listening to the guy that's watching the sensors that are in your muscles, you're talking to the psychologist, talking to the um, neurosurgeon. So you're talking to everybody and talking to the anaesthetist because person with the needle. I still don't know if that's right. <laughs> person with the needle. You know, like have we have we got you at a good level of drugs? Do you need some more? Do you need some? Is that less? rhetorical? It's like, that's like a constant. <laughs> Just keep giving him more drugs. <laughs> what have you got? What have you got? <laughs> yeah, he's like, 
these don't seem to be working very well. We seem to be having to give you a higher dose than we would normally. Any any reason for that? High tolerance yeah. to stuff like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, kind of like all of that. There's so much going on, um, and we kind of got to a stage where yeah, we've been been going four hours at this point, something like that. No, but that's not. That was my that, next question. That's gone. That's gone like that. Like at that really? stage. So, did, how long did it feel to you that four hours? Seconds. No. Seconds. Like not 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 no not se- seconds isn't the right. right. It's just because you're so busy. Really. Like so. Like through the whole. As soon as as soon as my school was open, I was so busy. Like right testing, and it's the same tests over and over and over again. So as he puts an electrode onto it, he'll it, put an electrode onto an area. Uh, and if you don't get any reaction to it, they'll we'll take that area out. We'll put an electrode onto another area. Do we see anything on the sensors? Do we see anything in you where it changes? Um, all of that sort of stuff, um, which just, yeah, it, you're busy. It's, mm. And it's also pretty interesting to be in an operating theatre. You know, like it's, while it's going on, how many of us ever really get to be involved in that? So that, like, and I'm, I'm a, I'm a big geek for stuff like that. And like, so like for my, my business is powder, powder coating. We do industrial coating. We paint loads of stuff that goes into operating theaters. So I'm talking to all the guys going, Oh, you see that? You see, you see that, uh, that air unit up there. That's been through my factory. And like, we're all like going, will you shut up? <laughs> paint geek. Here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we got to a stage where, uh, tested it. Uh, and like, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. So the guy in the sensors is like, yeah, that's good. And I was like, I can't move my foot. So my right foot had just stopped moving. Um, so like, tested it a couple of times. Like, so uh, Gemma was like getting me to push my foot. I'm like, there's nothing. There's just no movement in my right foot at all. So yeah, my right foot stopped working. So we do loads more tests on my right foot. Um, and leave it a bit starts to come back test it again and it stops working again so at that point there the team are like right we've got to stop because there's a balance between removing as much of the tumor as possible and impacting my quality of life further down the road so there's a real balance between that and that i i didn't remember this initially until we had like the 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 post-op meeting with the surgeon and the um psychologist but i told them to carry on because I knew that we'd not been in there long enough to remove very much of the tumour. Um, and I was insistent. That I was like, no, we're here, carry on, don't stop. Uh, but they were like, they they made the call not to not to continue because it would have impacted the whole right side of my body. So like my right leg would probably never have worked properly again. I would have started having problems with my right arm. Um, have you got movement back there? In your, in your right, in your right. In your yeah, right. I've got movement back now. Um, it's, it's daft stuff. Like, so day to day stuff's absolutely fine. Um, so I had to sort of, you've got to re, the, the neural pathways will reconnect. So you've got to relearn how to do everything. So, like, for instance, day to day walking, you wouldn't know. You watch me try and go up a ladder that I don't do very often, and like my leg, my leg just doesn't work. So I can't, I I, I'm going to learn to walk up ladders. Any DIY jobs, all well. <laughs> Oh, I've had I've had a brain surgery. I don't think my wife would buy that, really. So, uh... so it's yeah, coming through from that, yeah, they they stitched me up. So at that point, then they banged the drugs up really high. So I was 
I was gone. Like, I don't really remember the rest of the operation. Uh, then it's waking up in ICU and sort of cracking on from there. Um, I knew... I knew from I knew in the operation that we'd not removed a lot of it because the nerves had sort of grown around the tumor, or the tumor had grown below, in between a bunch of nerves. So I knew coming in, coming out of the operation, that we'd not got a lot of it, which I knew then meant moving into radiotherapy and chemotherapy, which is what I'm going through at the moment. Um, what percentage do you think? Well, what what percentage do you think they got? Not twenty five percent. So not not loads of it, but the so the, the whole the benefit is we we got a very decent sizable amount to be able to perform um, histology on and and do all the tests on it to find out exactly what sort of tumor it is, uh, and there's still plenty in storage if we need to do any more tests for immunotherapy or anything yeah, like yeah. that. So much more so than we would have got yeah. for the biopsy. Um, so yeah, from sort of there then it was like recovery but i was what well, that was sunday uh i was walking sunday night like sunday night i got out of bed got changed uh got back into bed i was home tuesday afternoon that's unbelievable i mean just to kind of put put things in a little bit of perspective you, you you're there doing some weightboarding having a time of your life and then you know within no time at all you've told you've got um glioma in fact you know there's something there it's it's not good you know we're seeing like you know we're seeing stars and rainbows and unicorns and stuff and this isn't good news got a non-cancerous glioma so just just on this just on that one so the tumor can grow but it's not it's not going to spread to other parts of the body is that what that means no so uh primary brain tumors uh don't spread to the rest of the body um so any any time it spreads to the brain from another tumor, then that's secondary. But they will spread somewhere else. But no primary brain tumors very rarely spread outside the brain. Um, but they can. To, so I, I am look. I am incredibly lucky. I think this is something that we've probably not spoken about yet. Mm. Um, I had no symptoms of yeah. this. There was nothing that would have made me go to the doctors. No. Mm. There was no indication that anything was wrong up until the point I had a severe accident. So there's no cause for you to get this checked out for any reason at all other than having that accident? No. Nope. And then that's, great. So, well, that, that's, yeah, well, that, well, that's, you know, that, it, it is almost, as you said, Phil, it, it, it almost seems like a blessing to have an accident like that. Mm. But what would have happened yeah. had it not been, been detected? Um... More than likely, um, the tumour probably would have grown um, to a stage where I would have started having seizures. By that stage, it probably would have been a grade 3 or grade 4 cancerous tumour um, with a much worse prognosis than I currently have at the moment. Um, it probably would have started spreading around my brain before we would have even caught it. And, 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 it, and, it, and it, the period, well, from that point in time to when that might have manifested itself. What sort of period would that, would that have been, you know? How many years? It, that's difficult. Yeah. Um, so this, me and chatting with my brain surgeon, we think it's probably been there about, it's probably been there about 10 years. So we were probably looking at another five to six years before anything would have shown up. 
but again, this is like the, one of the things that I've learned through all of this. Like, it's amazing how little we know about the brain. Mm. Like, considering how much we know about everything else, mm. it's like everything else is like it might be this, it could be that. We sort of think this area sort of does that, but it might do something else. We're not. It's yeah, it's it's crazy. Mm. How it is crazy. We know. Well, I think that's that's one one of the questions I was going to ask is you know kind of going back to the whole purpose of the podcast is that we we share these experiences but we kind of learn from them as well and i mm. I, I dare say that you've never heard anybody speak about something like a, a non-cancerous glioma or a, or a brain tumor before in any kind of depth you know but there, yeah. there's inevitably going to be somebody out there i mean hopefully not but it may well happen that somebody's going to have experience hands-on or secondary of somebody else having this kind of experience and it's, for me, it's it's not just interesting, as in like on a, you know, from an observational point of view. It's interesting to know what you were going through as a human being. You know, those emotions of you know, I'm loving life. To I'm going to have a life. You know, it, it seems to be such a rapid journey for you to go through that. You know, so at at, the, at this point, you know, if you were to like just to to give a little bit of a quick summary of that part of the journey to listeners as well. What how, how would you describe that 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 period of your life there roller coaster like one minute one minute you you're just dealing so you're dealing with going through this mad thing you're like right okay we've got something we're mm-hmm. gonna fix it and then you'll have a quiet five minutes and your mind will automatically go to the worst case scenario going i'm gonna be dead by the end of the year and you, you thought that was a real reality you actually thought that's my life's going to be over. Yeah. I, the the reality of brain tumors is pretty grim. Um, only thirteen percent of people with brain tumors live longer than five years. So I mean, that's that's terrifying just to think that. Yeah. Um, so it's you know that's 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 the figures because and the, because they're not found until they're at a stage where it's too late. You know because there's too no. Late. I get it. So then you go, yeah. the accident, you know, is, is a, was terrifying and poor, poor blooming Freya. I mean, anyone can listening, give a, give a collective huge round of applause to, to Freya in that moment. My goodness. My, my, my 11 year old would, I just can't imagine her having to, I mean, come of the moment, come of the, the person, but you know, I can't imagine you know, them going through that. So, but the but the but the the accident, as terrible as it was in in the moment, um, you know, it is 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 kind of a miracle. Mm. Like, I'm, we're not we're oh, not yeah. we're not getting the tambourines out here and you know doing all the evangelising and everything. But but it is a fucking miracle, isn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it it, it has. It's it's given me. The prognosis, you know, my, my prognosis is ten plus plus years. You know, like which is the longest prognosis. You know, that is basically saying, look, you know, you you're in a very yeah. good state. Um, so that wouldn't have been the case mm. if I'd not had the accident. God Almighty, I just can't imagine. We've, and we, me and Will, have had this conversation two or three times now because it was sort of the first chat about it, and then we did record this podcast. Um, before Christmas, and we had a terrible problem with the audio, so we've had to re-record it. But every time, and the times between it, I can't help but play through 
all of the aspects in that that, that, that go on and, and the way you know that whole thing as I say you know about the 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 the, the look of having a, a terrible accident and the thing that we've not talked about here yeah I think we should have a quick dive into here is the other bit of the jigsaw which is the mental preparedness that will shows I mean because I would be I don't know about you Andy I'd just go to pieces with a prognosis like that I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't I know you will have had very dark times Will but but in general, your ability to go and make those decisions um, in 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 a quick timeline and not let it, you know, drag you down, I think is pretty damn incredible. But but that sort of leads into the next bit of the journey, which is where we came into this, which was, well, tell us about this mental thing because it just strikes me that if you hadn't gotten involved with mental ahead of this, you wouldn't have had the tools to deal with what happened. So again, it's not another, you know, I'll put my tambourine down in a minute, uh, you know, but again, it's another sort of miracle on the, on the journey of going, if this, had, if this, had, if this hadn't happened and that hadn't happened, everything would be very different, you know? So tell us, just tell us about, Mental. We've not got loads and loads of time on the podcast now, but tell us about where you came, what it is, how you came into it, and where you are maybe like now with that, and how it's helped. So I guess probably how I came into it would be a great start for town because it ties into everything else. Uh, I, I like like many of us, I've struggled with my mental health yeah. at points. Um, I ended up in a really difficult place with anxiety, um, panic attacks, and stuff like that, and. It, it, it was hard it was horrible um, and I was I just opened up to my mate in the pub one night and I went look said I'm struggling um, we're supposed to be meeting up with all the lads in the pub that night I was like look mate I just can't do it I absolutely can't I can't face being in that social situation uh, anyway oh, one of my mates is involved in this sort of local charity um, you know have a chat with him uh, it was called Mental. And at the time, it was a group of probably there's about 10 or 15 guys in Hazel Grove High School meeting up uh, every Monday night and just sitting down and having a chat, um, you know, with, with some structure around it. Um, and I just remember sitting down and just talking at that point with complete strangers and just being honest about mm. how I was feeling. And that moment of somebody else going, I get that. I understand exactly what you mean. I got, and just that being, just even having that recognition of knowing I wasn't the only person um, was a massive part of my um, sort of, I'm not going to say victory over mental health, but my ability to understand mental health, because I don't think it's ever a complete 100% victory. I think it's it's an ongoing work, um, and it's and it's an ability to be able to accept it and deal with it rather than something that you will ever completely be free mm -hmm. from because I think there's always I think there's always challenges in everyone's life and there's always a level of mental health struggles so yeah mental health was a massive part of that um, at the time the charity was you know at the time it wasn't even a registered charity you know it was just a group of blokes really um, the charity was just starting to grow at that point um, I was asked if um, I wanted to come on as a 
facilitator and we're just developing what that looks like and how, how we train the facilitators and stuff like that. Um, and I also ended up joining the trustee board quite early on. Um, just, you know, I know Phil, you work with, with charity as well. And, you know, just a little bit of business acumen all of a sudden puts you on a yeah. trustee board of being able to help help something grow um but yeah the amazing group of lads that are involved in it um and that's so what we provide is is basically an open format talking group so you know we, we really anyone can bring anything they want to to a group and talk about anything that they want to talk about um and, and we have a, a team of you know really highly trained facilitators that are running all the groups that, that, that operate. Uh, we also operate an online service as well. Um, and I think we've got something like 4,000 members across the UK now, something like that, that we've accessed to the service. Um, so yeah, it, it's grown, it's grown massively. Um, and still, um, yeah, we, we operate. So I, I, I'm one of the lead facilitators at the Stockport Circle, which is run at Stockport County every Monday night, um, which is just still to this day, I still need for my own mental health mm-hmm. check-in once a week to go and sit with a group of, sit with a group of guys and go, look, how are you mm-hmm. guys doing? And I've, I've had a bit of a shit over this week. You know, my first one back after uh, brain surgery, everyone wanted to hear. It's a really important message though, which, you know, we, we, we try and reinforce all the time with our, with, you know, with our listeners and so our, and, and with our guests, is that, and I suppose it's the whole point of why we have this podcast is because a to kind of share these experiences and 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 b so we can learn from other other people's experiences as well at the same time, and this is why I'm so interested to know. Um, going back to Phil's question, do you think you would have handled things differently had you not had the support of mental or the experience you've had to kind of build that mental fortitude before the incident? Absolutely. Right out. hundred percent. Um, so the first half of it, you know, in terms of just like from the accident to the operation, the amount of stuff, I, I would have just collapsed. Mm. It wouldn't have, yeah, yeah it, it wouldn't have been no. well. Uh, and then even into the operation, so me and Gemma and I, Gemma, my psychologist through, through the operation, had had the conversation because obviously like, I, I was aware of my struggles yeah. with mental health and I was like, look, this is something I am concerned mm-hmm. about during the operation. Um, and she said, well, look, to be fair, you know, look at all of the coping mechanisms we've got in place. A lot of people that are going into this operation that have never dealt with their own mental health, have never had a panic attack, have never had an anxiety attack. So when they feel it coming on in the operating theatre, they have no idea what that is, whereas you already know what it is and you have your coping strategies for dealing with it that I'm aware of that we can work with together, you're ahead of most people Mm. already. So, yeah, without a doubt, if I'd have not addressed the issues that I was having probably six, seven years ago, something like that maybe, if I'd have not dealt with that then, this whole experience would have been... damn sight harder mm. now and even now going through things like radiotherapy you know like my radiotherapy at the moment is six weeks monday to friday every day you know that in itself is Listen. it's mentally yeah. draining yeah. wow yeah. yeah so i've got i've got six weeks yeah six weeks of radiotherapy and then uh, a couple of five weeks break and then nine months chemotherapy um How, how's it looking at the moment is it is it proving to to have success the treatment um 
we're still relatively early. Yeah. Um, and so the whole point of with the type of tumor I have and the, the treatment pathway that I'm on, the, the point isn't to shrink the tumor. We're not trying to get rid of the tumor. Right. Uh, what we're stopping it doing is stopping it growing and stopping it turning cancerous. So the idea is to go, right, this is the point we're at. If it shrinks, great. You know, that, yeah. that is a, that's a really yeah. big advantage. But um, the, the point of, of the radio and the chemo is to stop it turning into anything cancerous. Um, and I am incredibly lucky. The type of tumor I have is called an oligodendroglio. No, I can't do it. Still, <laughs> yeah. I still can't say it. Still, right. an oligodendroglio. I'll dub gone... that in later. It'll be me. Yeah, we'll dub it in. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. yeah. AI. We'll use AI. Yeah, exactly. For that yeah. 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 AI will. Okay. Yeah. But it, it's um, it's a very slow-growing type of tumor, and it's also very responsive to radiotherapy okay. and PCV chemotherapy. So that's what gives me the the, the excellent prognosis by mm. brain tumor standards. Um, I mean, one of the miracles, um, you know, I'll, I'll get my tambourine out. We're probably at the best point in history to, to yeah. get an illness right now. I, I think you know, there's, there's it's amazing that what's the, the treatment you've had and the operation you've had, it, it sounds so pioneering, you know, 10, 15 years ago, that might've been like sci-fi, you know, how can we imagine yeah. that that would happen? But how amazing it is that you've, you've not had that, that unfortunate stroke, fortunate accident, which has led to discovering this, which has led to this amazing type of treatment. And, you know, the way you describe the operation, you know, whilst they're actually you know, doing the operation on your brain while you're awake, having conversations while simultaneously doing tests. Even now, I'm struggling to comprehend that that can actually happen. Yeah. So how, I won't, I'm not describing this as lucky, but I'm just I just find it fascinating and amazing that you know if you were 10, 15 years ago, this may not have even happened. But with that, you know, with, with that premise, do you feel that with the prognosis being say 10 years or so, that advancements in in the medical sector, we might have a, a different form of treatment that can help to shrink it, or do we do have hope that we can improve that yet further? Yeah, and I, I, I think to be to be clear as well, um, it's ten plus plus. So there's there's a limit to what any oncologist or brain surgeon will give you in terms of a prognosis. Ten years is the maximum. So it's ten plus plus. Is it, I think that just in case my daughter listens to this podcast, I yeah. want to make sure I'm really clear on that. <laughs> You're not going anywhere soon. Um, yeah, no, that, that's that's certainly the prognosis. And I am look incredibly lucky. There are thousands of people out there in the UK at the moment that are struggling with brain tumours with diagnose with prognosis that don't look anywhere near as good as that. And it's a horrible, mm. under-researched tumour type of type of tumour. You know, mm. it really is. Um, do I feel lucky? Um, it's a blessing and a curse. Um, yes, it's incredible, but the treatment pathway that I'm on, so my, so for instance, my type of brain tumor that I have, um, there's roughly 12,000 brain tumors every year diagnosed. Only 300 of them are the same type of brain tumor that I have. So what is already an underfunded, um, area of, of, of tumor research, because, you know, the, the reason it's so underfunded is because your life cycle, your prognosis is normally so low because it's found so late very difficult yeah. to do anything about it yeah. um then also my tumor is so rare there's even less sort of funding into that area so when i say a blessing and a curse you know the treatment pathway i am on is 
15 years old, 16 years old. Um, and there's not been any real research into it apart from that. There's been bits and pieces, you know, so there was a clinical trial last year that I just missed. Uh, and there's some proton beam, but again, that's not really yeah. applicable. So there's kind of, there is loads of options, but when I say it's a blessing and a curse, they're all just out of reach all the time. So at some point in the next year, 10, 15 years, something could change, but you kind of have this feeling of there's these things that are there, but you know, like something's in the periphery of your vision that it's not yeah. quite, not quite real. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. But you're still hopeful of, of change. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. There will be, you know, certainly the Indigo trial that's just completed up at Christie's, um, that completed on people that had had surgery but not had radiotherapy and chemotherapy. Um, that was incredibly successful to the point where they took the um, the placebo people off the placebo and gave them the actual drug because it was so successful. Um, wow. So that will go... So next stage of that is they're producing that drug. Um, then... Next stage, next stage from producing that drug is them trying it on people that have had radiotherapy and chemotherapy and seeing if it manages tumours as well. So, the, yeah, there is there is loads of stuff coming. Um, you, you just you know, the, there's a lot of people out there that are waiting for stuff that's coming and they don't have long mm. enough to wait. You mentioned about different pathways and that you've got private medical coverage. That you've got, you've got private on this. Um, so we, I don't think we've touched much on on this in the past in previous episodes. I I have as well. I've got mine through WPA. Who's yours with? Uh, Vitality. Incredible. Oh yeah, cool. Um, I'm yeah. I'm a hundred percent of the opinion that if you can afford private, you should get private at this moment. And that's not a slur on the NHS. You know, absolutely wonderful service. But I think you know, the more we learn about different illnesses and what can be done with private care, I a hundred percent have it and i'm never going to stop having private private health um as i said i've got like the advanced cancer treatments because pretty much all my family at some point have had cancer and there's not that many of us left now unfortunately i've got a massive family i had a massive family um and i won't say too much i won't mind getting our kid on except phil you'd have to do a lot of editing because he swears a lot more than you um <laughs> and and he's he's just Fucking LA. he's he's just had some treatment as well and, it, and it's prostate cancer, which is incredibly common compared to what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but he told me about the treatment, and I won't, I won't ruin it. But I was just, I was just mind blown at what the treatment was. I just expected, you know, the standard kind of radio, chemo, that sort of thing, or operation. But they've, they've put seeds onto his prostate, which are um, radioactive seeds, which grow in his body, and then attack inside his body. So he's now radioactive. You know, it sounds like a song from a, from about ten years ago, less. But um, he he he's actually radioactive. They've put radio radioactive seeds in his body to to directly attack certain places. To again, it just seems like sci-fi. It just seems unbelievable. There's things like immune, immunotherapy as well. You know, tailored stuff that's that's there available that that literally is tailored to your DNA. It, it's so just, they're matching it, it to your individual DNA and that type of cancer. Yeah. But, the, but the, the interesting thing is, we were just saying before the call here, like unless you 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 are um, diagnosed, like you di or you have someone very close to you diagnosed, you're not that cognizant of what's going on, and it and it and it strikes me if like fifty percent of the population statistically will get cancer at some point in their lives, 
um, which therefore means all of us will be touched by people in our family that get cancer. I think it's still, is it? Is it? Oh gosh, it's one in three, isn't it? Oh god, I don't know. I mean, it's just whatever the odds. It's it's incredible that we don't know. Like these two things we talked about, like just then, are things that feel new to me, and I. It just feels like we should be more aware of this stuff. I mean, we talk like so caveat like men's mental health, right? We've gone all gone through a thing in the last sort of maybe five years where it's become maybe ten, certainly last five five or so years that for men or for anyone to talk about their mental health, it has become much more of a an accepted thing. It's still a struggle for for a lot of us, but it but it's an accepted thing. Uh, for us to talk about that seems to me like cancer should be as that's an obviously mental health and all that kind of thing incredibly important that we all talk about that but cancer we it seems like a, there's a dearth of knowledge here we don't we don't know and we should you know rather than watching the fucking traitors or whatever you know whatever gets pumped into our eyeball eyeballs of an evening to me we should all be much more aware of these kind of tr- the, the treatments, prognosis, what to look out for. Obviously, cancer is such a, a huge thing. Well, you, you said even with, with brain tumours that there's a, there's a multitude, a myriad of different sort of prognoses there and, and, and diagnoses. Um, but it, it really strikes me just in this tiny bit of conversation we just had about different types of treatment, all my mum's got cancer and all I'm sort of aware of is her chemo, ongoing chemo and from time to time radiotherapy. I wouldn't know. Did you know know how many different types of chemotherapy there are, Phil? No. You see, that's it. I didn't even know there were different types of chemotherapy. Me neither. Everyone had to go and sit in the chair. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. Whereas mine will be, what, an IV infusion and then tablets for three weeks and then three weeks off. So it's like even that level of understanding, I think, like you say, when you're talking about trying to get people to have understanding, it's stuff like that of going Mm. chemo isn't just chemo. There's hundreds of different types for different applications that have different effects on people in different ways. Um, And, yeah, I think it almost in a way, having gone through this process now, it isn't as as scary. And don't get me wrong, there are a lot of people out there that it is. But with chemotherapy and with radiotherapy, and with you know, with the, the way they target radiotherapy now is completely different. You know, it's almost on par with proton beam. It, all of these things are so misunderstood that I almost think that helps playing into people not going to the doctors, yeah. and that puts the fear 100%. of God in people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the point, isn't it? That's the point that all these things you, you hear of a friend or a family member that gets cancer, and you think, oh shit. Hope that never happens to me. Head in sand, ignore all the signs, or not even want to be cognizant of the signs. And it's like I'm I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna engage. And and you're right. If people kind of knew the range of treatments, you know, there is that sort of murmur that's come through in the last sort of maybe ten years again of oh, cancer's not a death sentence. You know, because certainly you wind back. 20, 30 years, I know family members we had, you know, my, my, my granddad was the first person I know knew to die of cancer and and, and it, and it kind of was a death sentence at that point.
it used to be a 30% survival rate. Now is it 75%? Something like, you know, wow. the, the change in that, you know, so like, like, like I say, it's, it's the, if, if people are aware that it's, it's not this death sentence, there's almost a, another hurdle being removed about going to the doctors and going, I'm worried about this. Can you look in and it is that whole discourse, its ability to have the conversation, the way that we've all encouraged people, men, blokes, to try and talk about the mental health. It's almost like that's is that the next domain here that we we, we all need to be more open about and, and accepting towards cancer. Maybe and, it's just just health you know. in general. Maybe it's just one of those things that... Well, yeah, like, look, it's, AIDS it's, in the 80s was, was another death sentence, sentence and now it's, you know, completely manageable through treatment. And, and I that's think, an astonishing feat. Maybe, it's, maybe you know, from, from, from what I'm picking up here is that men are just rubbish at talking about things in general. You know, we, we, we can talk out people, we can solve other people's problems, but we very rarely want to talk about our own. And, and I think that's possibly, and that's a very, very sexist remark. And I'm a bloke, so I'm not trying to insult anybody here. Just my experience of being a bloke, having brothers and sisters, and knowing lots of men and women, women are quite open about sharing stuff. Men are not great about sharing stuff. So when I say health, I, yeah, I don't just mean mental health, you know, physical health, emotional health, spiritual health. We don't, we don't even touch on those last two very often. A little bit, we've spoken about spiritual health, you know, having faith. And for me, what we're talking about, this for me, what encapsulates this conversation we're having today, you just gotta have faith. You need to have faith in others, faith that, you know, there's gonna be good people in your life you can save your faith that somebody like Frey can, you know, pick up the phone and have a decent conversation with somebody to potentially save somebody's life. Just have faith in things around us. You know, and yeah. so to me it gives me hope just having conversations like this. And hopefully it will give hope and faith to our listeners just to know that the world isn't just such a bad place after all. You know, there are miracles happening every day. You know, you, and I think you described it really well, Phil. You know, your accident there, Will, it's kind of a miracle. And, and I hate it when people go, oh, you were lucky there. You know, when somebody goes, oh, we had a car crash. Yeah. Oh, you were lucky not to, not to be worse. What's lucky about having a car crash? That's not luck. That's bad luck. But actually, there are some times when you go, wow, <laughs> if that had not happened, what could have happened? So I think there are... You know, do we call them miracles? I'm not really that bothered what we call them. I'm, I'm just, I'm just glad that you know you, you've you've managed to get the treatment. You've got it at a decent time. It's going to give you ten years plus plus plus, and and things are moving at such a rapid pace. And I'm, I'm, I'm delighted that you've come on and shared this story with us because it's going to it's add a lot of value to to me. You've you've you know you've you've given me a lot of knowledge now about cancer. Um, and it should be something that isn't a taboo subject. It should be something we should talk about and work towards as humanity, towards, you know, maybe not finding cures, but finding ways to treat better and diagnose better and live our lives in a way that we can, you know, we can live longer and healthier and, and better forearmed and forewarned. I'm conscious that um, it's going to start getting dark soon and I could be here literally all day talking about uh. about this, Will. Um It'd be really useful for our listeners to take some snippets away. And what we tend to do, particularly when Dave's on the call, he, he summarises quite succinctly with stuff. Um, but I'm gonna, I'm just going to come back to Phil first of all. Phil, what, what have you taken from this conversation with Will today? Oh God! Well, I, the 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 importance of well, the one thing we didn't talk about that we talked pre pre chat, which leads into all of this, is is sort of the life admin. Um, 
being prepared, being, you know, I'm, I'm sailing towards 50 and I don't have a, I will, will, um, and I don't have all of these kind of things. And, you know, the, 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 the whole thing about sort of being, um, being more open to, um, speaking to your doctors about, things that might be bothering you that might feel unusual rather than shying away away from them. Um, I think given that Will's tumour could have been there for, you know, another six years before it even showed any, um, had any manifestation on his, on his, on his, on his, on his self, you know, I think we should. It's incumbent on us all to kind of get any, any, anything checked out that doesn't feel right, for the sake of not just us, but for the for those around us. You know, love that. Thank you. What about you, what about you, Will? What is this something that you really want to kind of get off your chest now to use a mental kind of phrase? Is there anything you really want to share with us before we before we wrap up? Phil stole all my really good. No, ones. Sorry, mate. <laughs> I led at the men. I know. Read my notes, hadn't he? Now, look, <laughs> definitely for me, one of the, one of the hard periods between um, diagnosis and surgery was wills, um, power of attorneys, insurances. Um, it's boring life admin stuff, but it's important. And I had to go through that in a state of crisis, and it was the hardest mm. thing me and my partner have ever had to do, me and Lou have ever had to do. Yeah. So that that's massive. And again, you know, we've spoken about it a couple of times. Don't be scared to go to the doctors. Something isn't right. Go and get to go and speak to them about it. And if you still feel it's not right, push again, because you know your body better than your doctors do. Um, and yeah, don't be afraid, because by being afraid of it, it's not going to change. It's only going to get worse. I think I, I, literally all the top answers have gone now. I can't think of anything which I could add to that. So, quick summaries: um, get a will, will. Um, got one. Get life insurance, private medical cover, um, power of attorney at some point. I think, you know, we're kind of at that age now where power of attorney is actually, or lasting power of attorney is actually not a bad idea if something else happens. Um, I suppose, you know, if, if there's anything else I can add, we've touched on. Um, for me, is have faith. Just, you know, just have faith that, you know, you, you spoke about fear, for example. You know, if, if we're living fear, then we're probably going to, you know, we're going to, experience the worst case scenario at some point we're going to attract it to us but you know live in hope and have faith i think and that's not 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 a religious statement that is literally how to live your life i think have faith in those people around us and to add to that would be talk to people the whole point of this podcast is to talk and and you know we've got we've got some great listeners who tell us some of the things that we'd like to or suggest things that we should be talking about the two things that come up on a, on a regular basis, mental health, of course, and we should all be talking about that. Um, and not in isolation. So it isn't just about mental health. It's about our health as in, as holistic in, in, a, in that way. Um, but cancer is one of those things which, as you say, will it'll affect everyone. So why are we not talking about it? We very rarely talk about those things that we are we 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 all are a part of you know we're all going to experience it everybody's going to experience it at some point in their lives so i think it's great that somebody like yourself will is willing to come on and share the journey at times in graphic detail and i think we're going to need something yeah, at the beginning of this podcast yeah. to say if you are squeamish do not listen because i can't watch yeah. stuff like you know these hospital programs on tv like er and stuff i can't I'm, i ain't watching that that's not for me and i've and i've listened to this agog 
I've just, I just, I can't believe what you've had to go through, Will. And I really appreciate you taking the time to share that experience because I didn't know stuff like this actually happened. So I'm, I'm educated and inspired and you've given me a lot of faith as well. Um, this is where we need Dave now, isn't it? I know. I would just say, actually, before we wrap up um, the end, Will, like if anyone's listening and wants to find out about Mentel, um, I assume it's quite easy, but do you want to give us a sort of yeah. how to get involved, how to find it? First one, Google Mentel. It'll come straight up uh, or mentel.org.uk. Um, sign up there um, for either the online or the physical circles that we run across the country. Um, and yeah, all the information's on the website or find us on any of the socials, Instagram and Facebook. Is anybody want to give a shout out to, Will? Uh, everybody, honestly. Uh, that's the hard one. We could be here for hours on that one because there's been so many people. Um, all the surgical team, uh, Lucy, Prayer, Lines, uh, just, I could go on for hours. Everyone, all my friends and family have been incredible. Um, you know, We say this time and time and time again, but when it hits the fan, they're there and they've all been incredible. Mm, brilliant. It sounds like you're surrounded by angels. It's, yeah, legends, all of them. Yeah, and, and just to, like, the minute that that message that Will shared, you know, on Facebook, you know, within within a couple of minutes, the love you could see, you know, like, you know, comments, 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 words of support. And I think that's incredible, isn't it? We, we've all had... We've all had a bit of that, and I think it's just incredible when 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 you do need that, and and the support's there. That's the the reassuring bit of life, isn't mm. it? And long may it continue. Yeah. Who do you want to give a shout out to, Phil? Um, I'd give a shout out to my daughter actually, because I can't, you know, in that in that sort of position. I mean, I, I I I hate to say it, Will. I hate to steal the thunder. But I think Freya is the is the star of that part of the story, you know, and and I can't imagine, you know, um, how proud you must be, you know, of of a dealing with that. I think that's incredible. So I, my shout out would, would be to to, to Daisy um, for 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 you know if, if she was ever in that moment, I, I would I, I would um, be super proud of however she managed it. I'm going to give a shout out to anybody who suffers with or is, or is living with somebody who's who has cancer right now. Um, in in, a, in especially our kid Terry, our our Terry L. It's um, you know it's it's been, it's been a tough time for our family over the last few years in particular. But this has actually brought us closer. Um, we you know actually we speak on a very regular basis now. So if anything, his 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 prostate cancer is and it. We're confident we, he's gonna he's gonna win this battle. Um, it's brought us closer. So shout out to our kid Terry O. Um, and also a final shout out to uh, Dave Eccles, who's chosen to spend time with his family over his friends and work. And I think that's absolutely the right thing to do. So miss you, our, miss you, our kid. Um, and hopefully we'll we'll chat very very soon. Um, for me to say, well, I've just been blown away with your openness. Um, and the level of detail, sometimes not appreciative of the level of detail um, that you went into today, but I, I'm, you, you're a walking miracle as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, it just gives me terrific hope that there are people 
like you in the world and people who've supported you who are in the world right now. So thank you very much for coming on. Hopefully we'll have you on again in the future um, and tell us a little bit more about your journey when we get the opportunity to do so. Have you enjoyed it? Yeah, it's been good. It's been good. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's been, uh, been an experience. Thank you. Good, good. It's great to have you on. Uh, Phil, do you do, will you do us the honours and talk us out of the show today? I'll have to remember what Dave says. I won't do it in his accent because he'll never t- talk to me again. But, um, yeah, absolutely incredible, Will. Um, I can't – it's just an incredible story. And, you know, that whole thing of the journey, the the miracle of what's happened there – I know it's been really fucking hard, but man, you're um, you're 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 fucking you're you're doing your job. You're standing up against it. You you you. It's just incredible. So thank you, mate, for coming on for the second time. Um, and yeah, brilliant. And just say to everyone that listens, if you like what you hear and um, want to get in touch you can give us a shout on social media through the usual channels you can drop us an email at hello at talkingcod.com so get in touch love to hear your stories love to hear what you think about the the episodes uh, and that's it so yeah nice one everyone thank you and if your treatment allows you will I'd love to be able to see you in the flesh at some point um so have a great weekend and uh, big love to, to the three of you and today.